Friends, our sanctuary worshiping congregations opened 2020 with a, a uh, story called, uh, a sermon series called Simply Jesus. And then in, uh, in February, we took a look at what it meant to be called Christian as we learned how Jesus calls us to be in the world. But during Lent, our entire Decatur Methodist family is going to join together in a sermon series about our Christian practices. These practices are, um, are essential for our Christian walk, for the depth of getting to the essence of who we are called to be in the world. So we will be doing that here as well as across the street at Pecan Street Mission. And we will enter into a series of practices that we will introduce each week during our sermon series. And we will ask each of us to hold each other accountable for those practices throughout the week, to uh, call on each other and ask, how are you doing? How are you coming along? So that we, too, might walk a little closer to Jesus. Will you pray with me? Eternal and grateful God, we enter into your presence with great expectation. May the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. It was Easter of 2014 and our youth group was asked to lead the sunrise service, a sunrise service that we'd not had in many years. And so there was a little bit of pressure on these young people to come up with exactly what we were going to do. We decided to hold it out on the courtyard of our church on a patio area. The kids worked hard to write liturgy. They actually looked at liturgy and wrote some liturgy. They selected hymns of praise that they would lead. And then there was two of them that prepared homilies, a message for the morning. They practiced and they prayed together. I was really proud of them. And then on Easter morning, very early in the morning, even before the sunrise, they were out setting up chairs. They were checking the sound system that was uh, to be used outside, and then they were flipping the pancakes so that they could serve the worshipers that were coming and attending that morning. It was a cold and crisp morning, I remember, and, and just as we began worship, the sun was just peeking its little head over the rooftop of the building in front of us and filtering its, its sun rays through the, the tree branches. The first sounds of the welcome crackled across our little uh, single speaker sound system out on that patio and the strum of the guitar began and we sang morning has broken like the first morning blackbird has spoken like the first bird praise for the singing praise for the morning praise for them springing fresh from the world and just as we said that verse morning uh, blackbirds have spoken like the first bird there was this mockingbird up in a tree that began to sing with us his whistle was piercing at times it was clear it was concise and throughout our song he sang along with us it made me smile i began to realize that his song was a living hallelujah we're coming to this time 
uh, this morning where we're going to talk about what it means to worship and to pray as a spiritual practice. Evelyn Underwood says this about worship. She said it is the primary and appropriate response of a creature in praise of the Creator. She goes on to say that every living creature, whether they're animal or plant, even the hillsides come alive. We hear that. Even the waters pay tribute and praise God as the Creator. But long before Underhill wrote this book about worship, the psalmist had already captured it. We're going to read today from the psalmist, from Psalms 95, in fact. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. I want you to listen now for what God speaks to you through the words of the psalmist. Oh, come. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Thanks be to God for the reading and the hearing of this mighty and holy scripture this morning. When I think about the biblical narrative, I am convinced that that these writers are amazingly good at crafting this image of worship. They use these Hebrew and Greek words that actually, when translated into English, mean something like humbling ourselves before another, or demonstrating reverence and awe for someone who is greater rendering a service to another in acts of service and worship. The psalmist today captured these words, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. This modern English word, uh, which, is, which we call worship, actually comes from an old English word, which is worship recognizing the worthy, worthiness of the one who is being praised. Worship of the creature for the creator is an act of love. You see, it is our creator who creates all things in love, designs the creature, the creature whether it is you and I, or whether it is the birds of the air, or the, or the animals, or the trees, or the mountains, or the valleys. It is God who creates us in love and designs us to respond in love. But that response is more than words. It has to fill our every, every single fiber of our being. It has to come from within us. It has to be a living hallelujah. This love is often expressed in community. The psalmist says, let us 
worship God. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. It is a corporate act, this worshiping thing. We gather in this space to worship together and we are called to offer love to God and to one another. But, as Martin said earlier, worship is not a spectator sport. It is not a consumer activity. It is intended that we come ready to engage, to become involved in the acts of worship that we lay out. We as United Methodist and many other traditions follow the form of worship that is laid out by the early church. In each worship service, we have components where we pray for one another, where we sing the songs of our faith and uplift our praises to God. We break bread around this open table and share it with our neighbors. We come to... Um, We break bread at this table, we lift our voices in song and praise, we offer our gifts through the offering, and we come to this place to be renewed. To be renewed and to renew each other's spirits. The psalmist challenges us to do more than show up. The psalmist has challenged us to, with active verbs to be engaged in acts of worship to connect us with God and to connect us with one another. And our souls depend on it. It was a Christmas of 2018. We'd had a wonderful day of celebration with my mother and my dad. And then we returned home and it was late that night that I got a call that she'd been taken to the hospital because she couldn't breathe. By the time we got there, we realized that my mother was in active heart failure. And so over the next several days of trying to get her transferred to a hospital that could accommodate her illness, and watching her and holding her and surrounded by numerous medical people who had advice of one sort or another, consultation of this type or another, we were spent and overwhelmed. After her surgery went well and I knew that she was in good hands with my sister who would stay with her for a 24-hour period, I left for some respite care myself. I returned to my home church at the time when I was preaching in Jacksboro and I had made arrangements for someone to lead the service and to preach that morning and so Kelly and I sat in the pew about the third one back. As I sat there, surrounded by those who loved me, surrounded by those who had lifted me in prayer and held me, who had reached out to find out how we were doing, what they could do to help, I felt as though I was laying in the hands of God. I felt a sense of buoyancy again. I felt as if in that one sacred moment sitting in worship with those who so loved me, my upside-down world was reoriented and I was somewhat revitalized. Friends, studies show that people who worship regularly are resilient in crisis. 
the lifeline that a worshiping community offers in a time of crisis and trouble in one's life is a safety net that holds us steady. And our worshiping communities leave an imprint upon us that goes with us into the world. Just this last week, we gathered in this space and we received a literal imprint of ashes upon our forehead. We had done that throughout the day and then a little bit later, earlier that day before the service, Ricky and I received an, in, an email from Bob Pangrick. Bob had received his ashes that morning. And then he had gone about his day in the community and he went to the doctor's office where they talked about what it meant to have ashes on your forehead and that, that the medical personnel there were going to go at lunchtime and receive theirs. And then he went to Starbucks and to CVS and people asked him, where do you go to church? You see, Bob wrote in that email these words, his greatest hope of wearing these ashes for just one day. He says, I hope that one person that does not know Jesus Christ sees folks with ashes on their forehead and asks them about them. I guess you might say that the noise of worship that night left a literal imprint upon us. And that imprint of worship lingers with us throughout our week, throughout our days, and in the most important times of our lives. Another form of worship that leaves an imprint upon our souls is daily prayer. A personal response to God's um, action in our lives, God's presence, God's creation of us, is gratitude. Gratitude to God and gratitude with others and minds. This essential practice can deepen our Christian walk and positively affect us both emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Like many things, the more we study the act of prayer and the practice of prayer, the more we realize that we have only skimmed the surface of this therapeutic properties that that this brings us in our lives of the spiritual benefits that it offers us and most importantly the transformative power that changes us changes us in the way we respond to God and the ways we respond to others there is no shortage of studies in this area as well medical doctors therapists and sociologists have let us know that the effects of gratitude have found clinical benefits and are essential to healing and well-being of every single human being. Rachel Escamilla was a young friend of mine, and she had fought kidney disease almost from the time she was born. She received her first kidney at the age of three from her father, and at the age of 23, she received another kidney. This was a strong young woman who defined her life in the sense of gratitude. She went on to college and then to seminary. She worked with the youth group and she worked with our church in many ways. She worked with other sick children and their families as a social worker at Cook's Children's Hospital. She was known for her gratitude journals which she shared on Facebook in 40-day chunks that went beyond just the 40 days of Lent. She did them several times throughout the year. 
Rachel finally lost her battle with kidney disease just a couple of years ago at the age of about 27 years of old. But what people remember most about her was those gratitude journals and the wisdom beyond her years that they gave her. What they remember most about her is that she became a living hallelujah to many of us. Look on the front of your bulletin this week, underneath the picture of the walk. In place of our vision statement throughout this Lenten season, we are practicing, we are putting our Lenten practice there. Every week you will see a new practice. It says we are created for worship. Try these simple worship practices each day this week. Read Psalms 100 every single day. Pray at least three times a day. And I want you to add, attend worship every single week. Corporate worship every single week of Lent. You see, our practices have to come in little steps sometimes. Many of us have these practices already in our lives, but this is a great opportunity to enrich them, to make them speak more boldly, so that we too might be a living hallelujah in our lives. This brings me back to our mockingbird at our Easter sunrise service. He began to sing as we sang, Morning has broken like the first morning. But he did not quit there. He sang as we responded in liturgy. He sang through our prayers. He sang through the message. That bird just never shut up all morning long. At one point, many of us became distracted by him and began to laugh together about the zeal of this little creature who was worshiping the Creator with his whole being. Friends, I hope you take the example of this mockingbird seriously. I hope that you will learn the art of worshiping consistently, praying constantly. And when you do that, you will find yourself on a, on a pathway to a closer walk with God, making yourself a living hallelujah. Thanks be to God.